God, pour us out for the sake of a world in need. Amen. Like many houses of worship in the U.S., attendance at Arlington Presbyterian Church had decreased dramatically over the last two decades. The 86-year-old stone building was hardly used and fell into disrepair. The congregation was faced with a difficult decision. Some thought their best option with land values rising in Arlington was to sell the property and use the money to relocate. But conversations with their neighbors revealed a common struggle to find affordable housing in South Arlington. Many who worked there could not afford to live there, specifically those who made less than the median income, which is over 100000 a year, a term called housing disparity, and a growing reality in places like Arlington. Barriers like federal redlining, predatory lending, and urban renewal, which often means disinvesting from low-income areas, contributed to the growing disparity. The congregation felt called to help somehow with the crisis, discerning over a period of community meetings and conversations that the best way to help was to let go of their building entirely. They worked with the nonprofit Arlington Partnership for Affordable Housing, drafting plans to tear down their stone church building and build a multi-unit facility in its place, which would include units for affordable housing as well as ground floor business space containing a shop-like space for the congregation to worship. Gilliam Place opened its doors this past summer, boasting 173 accessible units of affordable housing, half of which are targeted at low-income seniors. The ground floor is home to several resident services, including a culinary and entrepreneurial program, job readiness and health and wellness programs. A parking garage is under the building, and a playground welcomes children outside. The pastor of the congregation explains their decision this way. On the night that Jesus died, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and said, This is my body that is broken for you. When you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. So what Arlington Presbyterian did with their building is that they blessed it and then they broke it. And they said, This is the body of Christ and we're going to share it with the neighborhood. The good people of that congregation were listening when Jesus gave this sermon to his disciples, to the church, from the mountain that we talked about last week. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if you keep it all to yourself, what good is that? Salt, you know, is good for many things, cleaning, preserving, seasoning, melting ice, which we don't need anytime soon. And it's a life-sustaining nutrient, but salt is only good when used. Specifically, salt is only used when it's poured out. If you are not being poured out for the world, Jesus basically says, your saltiness is no longer good for anything. In the same way, he says to them, you are the light of the world, but that light is only good if it's not hidden under a bushel. It's only useful if placed prominently on a lampstand, so it may give light to all in the house. Now light that Jesus was speaking of only illuminates things as a candle or the oil burns down. It's only helpful and useful when it's being used up, offered up, served up for the sake of others so that all in the house may see. Jesus goes even further to say, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. 
I have that memorized because I say that every time we have a baptism and we hand the child or often the parents for safety reasons a lit candle a tangible reminder that Jesus says you are the light of the world you know in the early church the rite of baptism included placing a pinch of salt on the baby's tongue as well a tangible sign that Jesus teaches you are the salt of the earth Parents complained about babies eating salt, and so over the years that fell out of use. But the point is the same today. In baptism, you are made a member of the church, the body of Christ, and then you are called to be the church, to be salt and light poured out for the world. The message, which is a paraphrased translation of the scripture, puts it this way. You're here to be light. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this as public as a city on a hill. I think that about captures the emphasis behind Jesus' two object lessons for us this morning. Religion or church following Jesus is not about keeping it to ourselves. It is not a private affair. Our piety is not ours. There's a problem when we as the church reinforce a disconnect between worshiping God on Sunday and what happens in the world the rest of the week. That is what got Isaiah's people in trouble in the first reading. Sure, they were being good God worshipers, fasting and putting on sackcloth and ashes and praying, but they were ignoring the cries of the poor and stepping over the hungry and deciding it's not their business to be involved in the lives of the oppressed. God had some direct words for that community, and you can see why Jesus says, I have not come to abolish that. Because being salt and light is to embody the same vision of Isaiah's words. It's to embody God's own longing for justice, lest we lose our saltiness, lest our lights grow dim. Because the gospel has never been about personal salvation. It's always been about transforming the world. The church in North America needs to hear this teaching again. All of us who come to worship or read our devotional booklets or sing in the choir and think that God does not care about the real state of our union, about the continued separation of families, about the corrupt banking practices that prey on low-income families, about the soaring incarceration rate of African Americans while we sell out public education to the highest bidder alongside the prison system. While our carbon and waste producing lifestyle creates impossible agricultural conditions in the poorest regions of the world. You know, when I was in college for a teaching degree, we had a saying about the classroom, teach them what you want them to know. It was a reminder that before kids can learn core content, they need to learn how to be a classroom citizen, how to handle conflict, how to be kind to their neighbors, and how to tell a teacher if someone is hurt. Miles's kindergarten teacher has her hands full with this task. She spent a good portion of the beginning of the year teaching them what she wanted them to know. But every so often in the new year, we get a message from her that the class forgot some of those early lessons, and they have to have what she calls a shutdown talk, which meant she had to stop centers or whatever activity they were doing so she could get their full attention and address everything that was going on in the room. Are we making safe choices? Are we allowing space for everyone to learn? Are we being kind to our neighbors? 
You know, it occurs to me that Jesus calls those disciples by the sea, and then they set about their work teaching and healing, proclaiming the good news throughout Galilee and Jerusalem and Judea and Jordan. But then he takes them up the mountain, and he's like, let's sit down and let's talk for a moment. It's Jesus' version of a shutdown session. Let's stop what we're doing and talk about what's really happening in the world. Let me teach you what I want you to know. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Be who you are. Live that. If Jesus pulled us aside today in a shutdown session of our own and said, Church, let's talk about what's going on in the world, in your lives. What would we have to say for ourselves? Are we salting the earth? often and regularly pouring out ourselves for the sake of a world in need? Are we lighting up every corner of darkness around us? Are we illuminating the truth about the way things really are and then about God's desire for every living thing under heaven? You know, some might suggest that's what we're doing right now. The sermon, worship, is like our shutdown session once a week when you stop your hamster wheel of life and your regular activities, and listen again to the teaching of Jesus, and think, what does God want you to know the most? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Lutheran pastor in Germany during the Holocaust, he lived this teaching, pouring out himself for justice and standing up to Hitler. He wrote a summary of this in one of his letters from prison when he said, the church is only the church when it exists for others. Pope Francis lives this teaching. The 19th century palace next to the Vatican went vacant after the order of women that was using the building moved on to another space to do their work. Many considered using the palace as a hotel, which would have commanded top dollar because of its prime location. The Pope had other ideas. It is now home to 50 homeless people. And volunteers provide hot meals and work with them on job searches and literacy training. And the space includes an office for mental health counseling. Let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We live these words of Jesus here at Grace, teaching our young people what it means to be salt and light for the world now. Every time we engage in mission work and go on mission trips, every time we send our kids and their friends and neighbors to camp at Nawakwa or Kirkenwald, because there they hear the same teaching. Every time our scout troop meets to talk about what it means to say in that oath, on my honor, I will do my best to do my duty to God and to help other people at all times. And then salting the earth with a food drive and improvement projects around the township and lighting up the world with their dedication and commitment. And you know, we don't only teach this lesson to our young people because our members of all ages are salting the earth and lighting up the world every time they sew a quilt that will be shipped across the world to a disaster victim. And every time we knit a prayer shawl that covers someone's hospice bed as they leave this world and enter the next. Every time we open the doors on a Wednesday and feed our neighbors, and every time we look across the street and see our own affordable housing program with Family Promise that is shining light on a family right here in Highland Park. 
seriously to do a sermon series on this topic, I have to dig up these really extreme examples for you. Because if this were any other congregation, I would just tell them what you were doing for inspiration. And that would like be enough. But that is not nearly enough for us. Because the call of Jesus to be salt and light invites us to go deeper into the earth and deeper into the darkness so we can bear the light of Christ and the salt of his life-giving tears and not stop until everything is transformed around us. You know, when we get to the end of this gospel, Jesus will take the disciples back up a mountain and instruct them with the Great Commission. Go, make disciples teaching them everything I have commanded you. So let us continue in our call to be the church here, teaching the world what God wants them to know most every day of the week. And do that chiefly by being who we are in baptism, salt and light, and doing what we are called to do, following the one who goes before us, pouring out himself on the cross and lighting up the darkness of every empty tomb. To put it another way, in the words of that pastor in Arlington, let us claim God's blessing on this body right here and then break it open and share it with our neighbors in need. Amen.